Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Huzzah! It is the 300th episode of this here podcast. What are you still I, doing here? Yeah, what I are mean, we still doing here. Well, you know, you say that, but I think that it's really telling that um, you know someone that we all admire a lot and has meant a lot in our lives honored us. Um, I believe this past Friday, but Tony Bennett with us in mind, won his 300th game at UVA. Um, and I mean, no better honor uh, can be bestowed upon us than, than that. So we're well, doing something right. And well, and we will now do our best to piss all over that honor uh, because, you know, it's a, a, a special episode. And, and, and the we 300th. Have, yeah. Have you, we, seen, have you seen the team this year, Sean? I don't know if we're pissing on any, anything. So. <laughs> You know, yeah. I hope that I hope that we don't surpass Tony again. I will say I have seen exactly uh, 1.5 seconds of Virginia basketball this year. Uh, it was the last 1.5 seconds of the Iowa game, not watched live because I don't hate myself, uh, but watched after the fact uh, to find out that in fact, Caden Shedrick had no chance he was not getting that shot off even if he didn't get swatted from behind uh but anyway this is not a virginia basketball podcast because again we don't hate ourselves uh mm-hmm. but but it is the 300th episode so it, it, it is and you know if if you've been with us for for this this long uh, you you'll remember certain milestone things like uh the the 40th episode of the podcast when we talked about you know 40s and so obviously uh there was some some pretty low-hanging fruit uh out there for us for mm-hmm. the 300th episode to talk yes. about a movie that involves some kind of uh, vaguely deserty fighting and mm-hmm. that i had not ever seen prior to like two days ago mm-hmm. um and and it and it has something to do with the the number of this episode, right? It well, maybe it might. Oh. Uh, it it also stars you know, it stars a lead from the British Isles. Yes. Uh, we are of course for the three hundredth episode of it's pretty okay, talking about Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. That oh, is not what I, I was thought, thinking. I thought, yeah, we I thought were it was going to be Gladiator. Oh, wait, did I you? Gonna... <laughs> we already oh. did that one. Oh, I thought okay. it was going to be Mr. 3000. Oh. <laughs> Dracula 3000? No, come back we, in we, 54 years. No, the, yeah. the, the delightful Dr- comedic romp about Bernie Mac uh, trying to make it to 3,000 hits as a baseball <laughs> player. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Dracula 3000 is, I believe coolio playing dracula so 
that might win out in episode 3000 we'll see <laughs> but i think it's i think it's really important for us to instead to look back in the case of 300 which which you may think would, would be logical here instead of looking back in history we're actually looking forward with mad max fury road to our our soul assault and sand based uh existence and one in which uh we will resent water's absence to to paraphrase from the movie um but but yeah uh we we watched that movie and sean i was kind of surprised that you had not seen this before given how eventually a big a deal it was when it came out in 2015 well you have to remember a, a crucial thing about me which is that i'm bad at seeing movies that's, that's fine um that is but now we've we've rectified this but uh kevin and max had you both seen it before i had only seen it once i no. should say i uh, i hadn't um it is um yeah, I mean, a movie I was interested in, but like Sean, I'm not good at watching movies. So, and even in this case, it I still couldn't commit to one sitting, so I did it in two sittings, um, which ended up working well because there's a nice halfway point where everything slows down for about 10 seconds, and that's where I stopped. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had not seen the movie either. Wow, this is this is really wild here, and I'm glad that that we could choose this if for no other reason than I wanted you all to see it. Wait, are are you saying it's wild that we come into a podcast where you are the only one of the four of us that was prepared beforehand? <laughs> and here I was feeling self conscious that I only had a page of notes, <laughs> which is mostly just cap it like all caps things that i wrote down including i learned from the book station 11 that gas goes stale after a couple years so i have some questions about the 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 viability of of what they've discussed here but that's not really important is that one more page of notes than the three of us have combined it sure is i have a page minus i took three lines of notes and i was like it's there's no (laughs) I, i don't need this yeah uh so uh, it I don't know how y'all watched it. I watched it, you know, at home alone, just, you know, sitting on my couch and actually um uh, I I had my computer with me because from time to time uh when when something would pop up and I go I'm not sure I understand this. I actually read I would like skim a couple of the sort of uh relevant wikipedia type passages which i found helped a lot because i have i have seen i'm not entirely certain i've seen the original mad max i definitely saw mad max beyond thunderdome which is the third Mm -hmm. mad max movie uh but i kind of think that might have been the only one but you know max when when we were talking before we started recording I think uh, you expressed some, uh, I don't know if concern is is the right word for it. It's probably not, uh, but a feeling that, like, I don't know, I, I maybe I misunderstood this, but it seemed like you felt like you didn't understand what was going on or why any of this was happening. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if that's so much it as much as... I was just well for one they they certainly drop you right into it. Yes. Um mm-hmm. 
which is not a criticism necessarily, but it's it, it gets a little tricky. I, I felt it tricky to kind of understand what was going on for the first 15 to 20 minutes. And part of that is that they drop you into it. Part of it is that I did not have subtitles on and the audio is at times difficult to understand either because it was muffled because they have every main character except for Charlize Theron has like something in their mouth basically <laughs> or um, or because of the Australian accents. It's this Australian movie. Um, and I just felt like there was maybe a, a little bit of a, a lack of preparedness for what was about to happen mm -hmm. um, relative to the critical acclaim for the movie in its entirety. Yeah, yeah I, I would say that that is the very first note I have on here is the exposition of this movie is wild. I mean, you one moment this guy's having flashbacks and speaking of having things in your mouth, he is eating a scaled lizard. He just eats a lizard right off the bat, which is weird. Um, and, and there's a, a sequence later where Knox just eats, a, you know, very almost poetically eats a bug. And I'm, and my note was just that like, okay, any protein goes in this world, in this awful, awful future. But yeah, I mean, that, that I think is, um, I don't think it's even necessarily criticism. It's just a, a recognition of you are dropped right in. Mm -hmm. I felt that was good because what you get is you get a two hour action movie that, that, you know, and we can beg to differ, but, um, I think has a very pretty clear plot that is subtle, but, but consistent. And the editing of this movie is really great because there's no, there's no waste. It is, it is really to the point, but Kevin, you may feel different. Yeah, no, I, I was uh, into it. There were times where I was like, I don't necessarily know exactly what's going on, but I feel like I don't need to. I can, I, I can, the, the, whoever's making this film has to know that it's not going to be critical for my enjoyment to watch these. And I, I think it's kind of refreshing in a, in a few, you know, in a sci-fi type movie um, to not just pound the exposition on like mm -hmm. another desert movie that uh we've watched lately is dune and in dune in the books they drop you kind of right in and you know they're allowed to fill out as many pages as they want to explain the world and you know non like in your face ways but in the movie and this is kind of sure with like lots of sci-fi movies they kind of gotta just you know shove it in there like throw a line in that explains something even though that's probably not like how people would talk whereas this movie is just like you know what let's this is the world and you can kind of engage with it so how how much of that if any do you think is the fact that these like dune and this is the same thing with star wars like there's a, there's a whole reason why there's the the text crawl at the beginning of star wars which is that these things are taking place in fictional universes and there literally is world building that you have to do and this like because it's so self-contained you know you never really even as they move around to sort of different regions like it's all clearly within this one very contained kind of space and even if you don't know offhand that this is like post-apocalyptic Australia, like that doesn't necessarily matter so much. 
Yeah, I think that's like another a thing that comes up with me. like I wasn't clear to me like if all the characters were human because mm. there's definitely some aspects when when Max first sure. gets captured. We're spoiler alerting everything, right? This is the see the movie. We're talking through the whole thing. I assume it is a um, six year old yeah. movie. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's, a sister, by, it's a sister movie without you know, any like these... without any plot twist of note to like yeah keep from anyone. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there is no plot to twist. There's the bald people that are painted white that kind of war boys steal him but then they show some like boils and things and and you you assume at least i assumed that they're like you said you know post-apocalyptic humans that are maybe getting reactions from who knows maybe it's a radioactive planet they don't explain any of that but to your point into kevin's point especially you don't really need the explanation so my criticism at the beginning is not a criticism for it as an action movie it was more just i'm shocked by how critically acclaimed as a, as a whole the movie was, but maybe that's my that's unfair to me for not putting action movies at the same level as dramas. Because as an action movie, I do not have a, a, a critical uh, a complaint. It's more that if you're going to say it's a like a... I, get, I, I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so yeah, Max, yes. and, and I've, I've thought about it as, as you've kind of said this, and, and we do get... <clears throat> actually, with, with Max himself... We very clearly early on get that he has lost something and he is haunted by that. We know that. It is not explained very much. There are just some flashbacks and he responds to them as if they're, he's seeing, you know, he's feeling the vapors almost. Furiosa is the character that we really don't know as much about initially, but we do realize that she has also lost something and she is trying to find it in a way that maybe Max cannot and he's haunted by the facts that he he cannot find it but he's a transient person or he's trying to be um I think that that is explained well if subtly um and Furiosa deals with it more head-on and directly throughout the movie as as we see whereas Max is along for the ride trying to free himself so that he can also be transient now with Furiosa, we're also dealing with, um, you know, these these uh, uh, struggles of these women that she is trying to save that, I don't know, I mean, today specifically, given things at the Supreme Court, I feel like uh, rings extra true. Um, but uh, I, I think that it is explained fairly well what the goals here are and what they're up against but it is subtle i think you're right max it is subtle. sure yeah. and then and then and then against that there are piece there's immortan joe who's like the main bad guy and then his like different levels of henchmen that may or may not be coexisting tribes but then maybe come together as one tribe there's a lot of questions around that as well I, there, I, I there's thought. a there's a gas blood bullets and mother's milk cartel that's kind of working together here um the, those seem to be the driving currencies um in a world where there is no minted or or printed money yes yeah did, I you, thought did we... you read that online or pick that up from watching the movie <laughs> no no i mean they they talk they talk about th- so they go from where they are which has water and and we're they talk about not being addicted to water and they're going to Gastown and or the bullet farm and clearly the war boys need blood because tom hardy's character max is a blood bag um and there are a bunch of people right. who are tattooed and universal donors yeah. um and then there's also the the mother's milk, which they are carrying with them in the big rig. Yeah, th- this is maybe where having some kind of foreknowledge of the 
the Mad I mean, Max I didn't, Rogue Warrior I didn't universe know that. helps right. out because I knew going in just from the the little bit of the series that I had taken in that as as part of this post apocalyptic condition, I knew that gasoline was like the currency. Um, so like that, that didn't phase me at all. Um, but like even, but again, you know, so uh, even though I I actually do kind of agree that the drop in exposition is a little, uh, maybe a little tough at first, like as soon as you get into like the main conflict of the movie, which is that, you know, Morton Joe is this tyrant who is hoarding all of the resources for himself and Furiosa has like pulled rank and is absconding with the the why the quote unquote wives, um, like that. Once it got there, I felt like this is very easy to to follow from like a basic theme level, even if you don't keep up with all of those details, like you know what is sort of the the dominant resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a big chase, and they wanted to capture them alive, essentially. And, yeah, you know, there were there were other various, uh, you know, armies or villages scattered about that all had you know conflicting interests. So, well, and and we have the nice Knox, who we he we did mention earlier, is this character, and Morton Joe is Nux. Nux, sorry, um, Nux. Um, not to be confused with the the uh, nitrous oxide, which they use as fuel because they're cool and they they go real fast. But Nux is is also a character who gets like cult deprogrammed, basically, because Morton Joe is not only a tyrant, but he is this this religious figure and uh, you know living god who's like you know you will follow me into Valhalla, and um, they talk about I am the one who grabs the sun. Um, which is such a cool phrase, but is used very negatively. And and it's they they do this thing which I had a note when they say witness me. I'm like, is that spray paint or is it meth? Because I thought, okay, maybe this is like you know they they spray meth and they just they go and do it. No, it's just spray paint. Yeah, I it's had that just exact spray thought paint. too. Uh, it's so yeah, so which is well, nuts. So with for me, one thought that that came to mind when they. Um, when they all you know got in their vehicles and drove off, and they showed the uh, the guitar guy for the first time, my my thought in my head was like I for, I couldn't remember the exact time. I was like, was this movie like before or after Trump? And yeah. it was. And I before, think it was before. Before, but this is, that's interesting because what I thought of when I saw uh, that that character who I don't is called the doof warrior the guitar player is called the doof warrior yes because he is playing on the doof wagon uh my thought was all the other doofuses yeah sure uh my thought was doofy in a post-apocalyptic world where gasoline is the currency of sorts this is a shocking waste of resources to power this craft that has a million pounds of speakers on it and so, could you actually hear it even if you were like if you're driving super I, fast I, it like, was i mean it was a pretty tall tower you I could definitely so. hear it yeah, but sure. 
but but in a lot of these cars they were showing they were like older cars and i'm thinking these engines are not that fuel efficient you would think you would want to increase fuel efficiency but instead we're going to the dark ages but i did write a note and i should share it, it's a it's uh rolling coal is less than rolling fire which a bunch of the vehicles do which is less than rolling blood which nux does he puts a, a blood boy a blood bag in the form of max on the front of his car is less than rolling fire guitar which is the, the doof wagon um which i just thought was the pinnacle of the coolest rides you can get yeah i couldn't tell like <laughs> Through a lot, one thing I with the movie, and this happens with a lot of movies, is like I don't know. I always have the question: like, is this a social commentary, or is this just them like having a good time? And I don't know. You know, it, it, it's when you have something like this, which is looking into an apocalyptic future when water is something that is very scarce to the point of it. It's almost like, hey, don't don't pay attention to the water. We're all in on on gas and, and blood and bullets at this point. Um, but this movie series started such a long time ago that it, it you know, it feels kind of weird as a commentary. I mean, it's uh, certainly prescient in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, I definitely had that same thought too. Um, certainly in the way that, that women are treated and the we are not things re- refrain, which is how they, the quote unquote wives say to one another to be like, no, we're not going back. We are not things is very powerful and reminds me of Handmaid's Tale, which is very popular right now. And I think it is a similar thing. And Max, to your point earlier of like, hey, what's the story here? I think that really gets into a lot of the why. Fortunately, we don't spend a lot of time figuring out how Furiosa freed them. That's not really important. It's more of the why, you know, show me why this was important. Tell me why this was important. And they are pursuing the, the green place because she thinks that that is a place where they will be free of this. And as we learn, is a place that is, um, you know, helmed by women. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that on some level, anything, anything that is set in a like a post-apocalyptic setting is a, a, at least in part a social commentary, just because fundamentally something had to get you to that apocalypse, and no one is ever really painting post-apocalyptic society as you know a good thing. Um. And, you know, I mean, what what is Lord of the Flies? You know, every post-apocalyptic thing is, is Lord of the Flies, it, at least a little bit. It's, tr- you know, look how look how horrible things can be when we when we lose out on on modern technology and, and modern conveniences and revert back to a more sort of base form of society. <laughs> The doof takeover, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm more like, I didn't know if, is the doof warrior, is that a social commentary? Or is that just like, it would be really funny if we just had this guy <laughs> just what? plays guitar on so, this uh, vehicle. I mean, think about it. There there are all these instances where a Morton Joe turns the water on for 30 seconds and everybody realizes the power of that. And it's it's a it's a tyrant that that has all this power. And I mean, isn't isn't that always the the 
kind of the commentary is like you'll be so dependent on this one thing or this one person in the future because they they own the resource and like that's a horrifying thing but i mean that's it's it's not an inconceivable thing to think about no but that that particular element is one that i think you could easily look at both ways like i think i probably saw it as like you know uh, it, it immediately read to me as a commentary on the the gaudy ostent ostentatiousness of you know tyrants and dictators but also it could just be like you know jamming workout tunes you know like mm -hmm. listening to metallica to try to up your squat max by five additional pounds like you know i i don't know it maybe it, it it's all sort of in the eye of the beholder i would imagine mm -hmm. and you have to wonder where like the doofy sit in terms of this hierarchy of social stature because there's there's these there's the the kind of people that scavenge for the water there's the lowest class people mm -hmm. and then somewhere in between there's the there's the nux characters there's these both bo the boys the war are, boys the, the war, war boys, boys and the and the worker boys and all the boys and then there's the next level there's like the guy with the the gold nose and the gout feet <laughs> and but where's the doofus compare i mean that's what i'm wondering is like you know does the doofus I think the, the I think the doof warrior is is actually a, a war boy. Not that that's super important here, but I, I given that he's painted white, also seems to be seems to be blind. Yes, uh, I'm mm -hmm. I'm guessing uh, above war boy, below gout feet. <laughs> if I had to the gout, the gout feet character, which is not very fair <laughs> to people struggling with with gout, but um, he is known as the people eater. Um, I believe that that is his name. Yes. Sure. Yes. Why not? That, that, that I, I'm going to look it up as, as we're discussing it. But yeah, I mean, there's, there are definitely some very strange characters there. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking over some of my other notes here. I mean, I think that we, we haven't really talked about how the, the, the movie itself we've said that that it is a a really commendable action movie but there is there's something more here that is commonly commended and i i am impressed with the amount of story that is developed in for a movie of this scale in terms of drama and action something that is very brief i mean two hours it doesn't seem like it's a short movie but it's a short very quick movie when you watch it i watched it in one sitting and it, it very briefly stops um but there's a lot in there and there are loud and there are quiet moments um but is, is there something more there that you're like i have not seen this in a movie before that that shook you or or is it you know is it normalized for you for me the thing that struck me the whole time that i was watching it was just that they like the amount of things they came up with like it is essentially a two-hour car chase and like the number of ways they like kept it interesting even like beyond just like oh it's non-stop action like the set pieces they changed the set pieces even though it's just a desert they're they change the way people are fighting with each other and they're like constantly on these moving vehicles and they came up with so many creative ways just for the you know for like the the fighting and the action to happen so it was for me it was more of just like i was amazed that they 
weren't just like repeating car chase tropes or um you know when they when they stopped it was they i don't know they just kept finding innovative ways to for for the action to happen and yet at the same time they actually are repeating car chase tropes like a lot like this whole i i don't think there was any one thing that happened in this movie that i couldn't like place somewhere else if you gave me some time to like you know to research and 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 find you know where the dangerous mountain pass had come into play before and and stuff like that but the the alchemy and the way it was all put together i thought was really fantastic like the the slowdown moments don't feel like they drag they felt like a really useful change of pace mm-hmm. uh, and, and like we you know when they they go f- from kind of the the sandstorm sort of situation into the kind of washed out blackness that happens after that like that really grabbed my attention uh, and so like even though even though all of the you know the building blocks of this movie i thought were very familiar i just i thought the way they were all put together was really great mm-hmm. yeah the thing that came to mind for me in terms of an act, the one thing that stuck out to me i haven't seen a ton of action movie car chase movies but the one thing that i was like i don't think i've seen that before was they had these essentially cars with massive seesaws on mm. them with warriors on the end of them and so they would kind of seesaw them in to attack and then seesaw Pole them cats. back Polecats, yeah sure that, that was uh we'll call them that was kind of i've, I've seen fun. this movie twice and i feel like i i am talking like i know this stuff i should say that i just do they I took call notes. them that in the movie yeah they call them polecats oh okay yeah well that oh. that was fun and unique Touche. Yeah. Yes, that that was something that I had not seen before. You are you are right about that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, I, as somebody who recently watched uh, French Connection for the first time, which has a a very famous car chase in it, like that one feels so boring in comparison because it has to follow all the rules of a normal road. This does not have to follow the rules of road. And I say the rules of the road. I mean, like, you can't drive on the walls of of a building that's adjacent. You can certainly drive on the sidewalk. I don't mean that. You can drive on the sidewalk if you're just going to do a car chase. But this is like, no, they're driving, and then all of a sudden there are motorcycles, and motorcycles can go on different terrain. Um, And also just the way some of these cars drive where they stop, to catch up to people in a, in a way that makes sense if you watch it. I mean, it's 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 really cool. Now, I don't know the physics mm-hmm. of walking on top of a vehicle while it's moving. Don't um, think about the physics or you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. I don't know if that that checks out with inertia, but there's a lot of a lot of that going on. And I think in this world, it makes sense and you don't ask a lot of questions. And that promotes the... Um, at least the plot of a a tete-a-tete v- via uh, car chase. I, I will say that if you are, are spending much of any time thinking about whether Mad Max Fury Road follows, like, laws of physics and nature, I, I don't think it is spoiling anything at this point to say that in Fast Five, 
there is an extended sequence that is built around two consumer, you know, two like souped up cars, but two souped up like, you know, reasonably other like they're chargers, like two Dodge Chargers um, pulling a bank vault through the streets and navigate like suspended between them on cables and navigating turns and shit. And that is a movie that takes place very much in like present day pre-apocalyptic Western hemisphere. So like the, the, the post-apocalyptic wasteland in Australia populated by, you know, white painted ghouls and uh, whatever the fuck an immortan Joe is like, who cares? That's not, that's not what this movie's about. Yeah. And I will say they never really explain where they get food or anything, but because they don't explain it, you don't really question it. We just pick up live um, lizards there is the off the desert floor. Yeah. Hey, some of those guys are kind of jacked, so I don't really know how that happened. But... Uh, you know, um, so so Kevin, you mentioned that, and I don't know this, but the whole thing where, where Nux needs blood or he can't stand up, like there is something going on there. No one in the movie except for um, a couple times with Mother's Milk, which just interesting we've said um, that you I, I you have said that too many times on this podcast that's only the second time i've said it and that was too too, too, too many. many times correct um so that and then uh we see two instances of people eating protein that we would not normally eat i mean if there's any greater uh condemnation of our future um it, it, it's not here it's those things it's like people right. eating lizards and bugs because they pop up and it's like i need protein so there is something yeah. very bad about that no one else eats or consumes anything in this movie to be fair i assume they're giving all of like the steak to rictus erectus uh <laughs> did you see it did you see any animals in this movie i did I, not see I, any that were not consumed i didn't Gross. i didn't Gross. say we see it I just said I assume that's what's happening with it, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because you know that, that's a beefy boy, uh, played played by former professional wrestler Nathan Jones, who is a casual six eleven three fifty. Yeah, yeah, they're eating something, and they've got and they've got Max's magic blood, which is cool too. <laughs> right. Um, but your one actual complaint about the gasoline going stale, I think, is solved right away because they. They make it seem like excursions to Gastown are pretty standard, and the one shot of Gastown makes it look like they're still actually actively harvesting uh, gasoline from the earth. Yeah, what's uh, yes, you you have to whatever, not cure, but you have to prepare gasoline, um, which cure they call. To... <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a ham. You have to cure it overnight yeah. in the fridge. Um, I like honey baked pre- brown sugar gasoline. <laughs> um and and for for they i like that they i don't think this was like a mispronunciation i think this is actually the word in the movie they call it guzzling i'm so glad you said that (laughs) which should have been said more times we should have taken out the other thing uh guzzling could not i don't even think i noticed that that. could not stop thinking about that the entire movie yeah, and it is the people eater and the bullet farmer is the person who is who's blinded by a very ace shot at one point in the, the movie. 
Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, that guy likes shooting guns. Yes, um, and he is killed off screen by by Max, and you get the very very intense thing that I think happens in many movies. It's like, oh, you have you have blood on you. Are you hurt? And it's that's not his blood, which is like that is a thing that is so chilling to say always. <laughs> Yeah, and I love how, like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, like, we were deprived of an action scene. It it was like a two-hour action movie nonstop. (laughs) (laughs) But is that, and kind of like to to summarize it overall, is is that maybe what makes this movie so great is, for me, it's that every scene, every moment is is purposeful. and, And the fact that they were able to distill it in two hours and make it this movie that feels very full but also tight. I, I, I think that that, to me, is the most laudable part. Yeah, I think it's awesome that you can enjoy it very shallow, shallowly or you can enjoy it on a on a deeper level, which, Pierce, you seem to have maybe gotten to a level beyond Max and Sean and I, but um, you know, I think we all enjoyed the movie nonetheless. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, it's fun. So Pierce, if you're if you're if you know the whole lore of the of the movie, so you know, we don't really know anything at all about Max and then he kinda of just disappears at the end and I, I assume that's all just that's just like part of it is we don't this guy is just some guy. I I mean, I I think it in the very first movie, assuming that this is a continuation of the the Max movie, he does he does lose his family, but I don't really remember it in the way that's discussed here, so maybe it's a different Max. But anyway, you cut it. This is someone who's lost something that they cannot find. Um, and instead of trying to bed down or, or just be part of a society, and, and obviously he's helped this society, but maybe he's so haunted that the most freeing thing he can do is to be a transient being. Um, but by the end of the movie, he, he you know, basically nods his head and and goes on he 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 tips his cap and calls the yankees his daddy and and pedro's words but he's not there to stay he just continues continues on and i think that that is um you know not even in the service of more movies i think that that is a very satisfying thing in the way that it doesn't really answer any questions except you know this is what he was doing at the start and this is what he's doing at the end yeah, I believe the lore is that in the in the pre-apocalypse times, he is a cop. Uh, yes, and and possibly a motorcycle cop. Uh, yes, it, but uh, that that allows me to hold out some small sliver of hope that this is actually the uh, like the Lethal Weapon extended universe, given that the role was first played by Mel Gibson. Uh, but you know, it it is a very there's a very rich tradition, especially in I think in sci-fi stuff about you know someone who who loses their their family and you know becomes a, a bit of a nomadic loner. I mean, I think of like you know you mentioned The Handmaid's Tale before Pierce, but like Oryx and Crake, the Margaret Atwood novel revolves very heavily around uh, around that. I, I believe. Uh, there is any number of uh, Cormac McCarthy books that revolve around this too. Um, you know, I mean, Star Wars. Star Wars certainly has uh, quite a bit of that as well. Um, all the all the better if it's in a desert. Uh, the Fallout games. Yes. 
Kevin, why but, does Kavothi, why does he have an in? I'm waiting for the answer. You know, we're never going to get it, but it's the same thing. Yeah, we're probably not going to get that one. But um, <laughs> I mean, so at first I thought when Max kind of joined on this, on, on, on the journey, I, I thought it was kind of a satire at first of like Luke Skywalker and such of like, oh yeah, I'll just you know go on this dangerous mission with very little evidence that it's a good idea and go but i mean yeah there's there's you know a bit more more to him there it's still that doesn't necessarily answer the question of why he would put himself in these crazy situations um if and then just to kind of decide to move on but um yeah i just didn't really quite get all of that but again i don't think i needed to to enjoy it well, for, for much of it, he is strapped to the front of one of these terror vehicles, so he doesn't have much of a choice. And that's like the only humor in the movie is him kind of being like, please don't drive there. Please do not do that. I'm I'm up here and you need me. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we, we have talked for a, a good long time about this, uh, about this movie. Uh, anybody have any parting shots they want to get in all right uh in that case we'll uh move on to the 300th edition pierce is sorry what are you apologizing for today well you know i i think 300 is is a good reminder that that you get to certain points where where you make big decisions and, and sometimes you make big decisions for yourself and other times you make big decisions that may affect others. And, and maybe you're in a circumstance where you will make big decisions that affect something like a household, which is other people that, that you know, are, are around you and rely on you or you rely on them. And you'll make big decisions that impact them. And, and you may not realize that they're big decisions. And so you make these choices um, that are actually decisions and they may not like them and and you really should be mindful of of that so so what i'm saying this week is to <clears throat> be very thoughtful in your big decisions and one of the the biggest decisions you can you can make and and make the mistake of of not talking to those in your household with um and again what i'm apologizing for this week is that when you make the big decision of fermenting foods, you should really talk to those in your household about that. And by that, I mean, if you think it is a good idea to make kimchi, that is a big decision that impacts everybody in your household, impacts your guest, impacts anyone who is in your house when you open the refrigerator. And so you really need to have a critical discussion when you do that. No matter how good you think it tastes, that fermented cabbage and or radish mixture is not liked by everyone. So I apologize for not kind of discussing that big decision beforehand. Kimchi for me, but perhaps not for thee. Yes. yes. You should try fermenting some crab. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! That's that's why you have a backyard. Uh, I assume that's why 
many people die alone is because they made the decision to ferment crab. And then well, the but the whole thing is supposed to be. Uh, yeah, but it's supposed to make up for it, and it's supposed to have these side yeah, benefits. It's supposed to do the opposite. <laughs> I yeah I guess I guess you maybe you reap the benefits if if you can get through the you know the stank. Uh, okay, well uh, yes, uh, ask the people in your life before you make big decisions. Yes. Uh, okay, well uh, we'll we'll close with a big idea from pop culture, uh, and it's it's not it's not very frequent that uh that these big ideas are a bummer uh but there's kind of two bummer things that have happened uh recently uh one is that Stephen Sondheim died uh and I well I, I don't know how much of a bummer it is when someone who is in their 90s dies because you know that's it's kind of cool that they they made it there um but you know uh, there there's been a, a great outpouring of of some you know reminiscence and, and sadness because uh there are a lot of people in this world that really love musical theater uh, oh yes i would i would say so uh and, and uh you know he's kind of a a, a big deal in that world uh, and, and uh, truthfully that i think the closest i really get to being a Seinheim head is that i deeply enjoyed the uh documentary now parody of the cast recording of company it's it's a tremendous movie it's, it that, really the, is the, the original people should watch. uh but but the other thing uh that that's bumming me out a little bit is i i forget exactly where i saw this but i'll, I'll make sure i track it down and, and put it in the show notes um we 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 the public uh have learned that that Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are not on speaking terms anymore and in fact have not been for a little while now uh, and we learned why uh again i forgot what the what the venue was i should have i should have written that part down who's who's adam mckay Oh, so Adam McKay is a, a movie producer, director, writer, uh, and he and Will Ferrell were a, a longtime partnership. You know, uh, McKay was a writer for SNL. He made Vice. He made the movie The Big Short. Um, and, and their fallout was over the casting of adam mckay's showtime series about the showtime lakers apparently will ferrell was originally cast as uh jerry buss oh and i didn't know this was his show even so why are they upset about it because apparently mckay uh replaced will ferrell as jerry buss without telling him ah and I replaced him to... with Farrell's good buddy John C. Riley, who of course 
immediately told Farrell because he come he certainly comes out of this seeming like a stand-up guy who who went to talk to his friend about the thing and you know McKay said in in whatever interview it was that he really regretted how it happened um and and like he I think he knew it was a mistake right away but like they you know they had a, a production company together if you ever saw anything made by Gary Sanchez Productions like that was Adam McKay and Will Ferrell um uh, mm-hmm. and you know they it sounds like they have not spoken in in quite a while and uh he he really regretted that so that 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 bummed me out um you know can consult the important people in your life when you make big decisions that affect them yeah including eating a whole wheel of cheese that was some pretty outstanding synergy between Pierce sorry and the big idea just inadvertently <laughs> maybe after well, 300 think... episodes we're getting better at this that's exactly what I was going to say I like it but, I mean but I personally like the the big ideas where you're like happy about something but that's you know, that's well, fair you know well, in you a know, post-apocalyptic um, world this is what you get um you know enjoy 160 days over the salt Steven Steven Sondheim did a, did a lot of work in his last year to six months of life so there is a, a positive there which is that if you're a fan of his work there's a lot of uh, a lot of new content um for someone in their mid 90s yeah so. uh that that's that's the end of the show uh you can find us at our home of the web www.prettyokpod.com or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast platform of choice if you do that uh Tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Uh, in my best Tom Hardy impression, my name's Max. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin. Genuinely, thank you for indulging us for these many, many years. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.